And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I am Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with me today, the Reverend Bill Shishko. Good to be with you again, Dan. Bill, it's nice to have you here, and uh, it's always a pleasure to uh, talk with you. I, I wish we lived closer together because you are um, kind of a mentor to me in, in, in many ways, and we appreciate your friendship. Um, today on A Plain Answer, you know, we try to cover any number of questions that come up from time to time. Today we want to discuss a question, and that is um, this. There's so much in the world today that would discourage Christians, um, whether it be wars or uh, economics or politics. As Christians, um, should we have an optimism or a pessimism uh, regarding the progress of the gospel and um, the progress of the kingdom of God? Uh, in light of all that we're seeing, and that's that's the question on the table, Bill. It's it's kind of a huge question, and and maybe we could get started on that um, today. Well, Dan, I, I can't I can't think of any topic that is more timely and necessary because, um, at least in our country, th- this is a time of um, it's a time of pessimism and discouragement. We're seeing opposition to the Christian Church that that uh, we have not experienced in our lifetime. I think. I think some of us thought this would come, but but not so quickly. We are are seeing really things that are that are in the public square that the scriptures so clearly condemn as perversion, and and it really are evidences of of God's judgment on our land. So I'm I'm glad we're dealing with the yes. topic. The interestingly, the answer to your question is very simple. Yes, we must be optimistic about the gospel. If we're not, um, the devil has already won a big victory. The Bible says that the gospel is God's power unto salvation to those who believe, to the Jew and also to the Greek, and as we'll probably get to down the line, all of church history attests to, uh, it's, it's it's a resounding testimony to not only... Uh, the truth ab- about what the scriptures say about the progress of the gospel, but it's also a, it's also um, kind of an amen, Charlie, so so to speak, encouraging <laughs> us on to be optimistic. Mm-hmm. I, I should have added also, uh, you know, what happens as we age is that our bodies start to break down, and uh, my wife does a lot of elder care and often sees um, the heartbreak associated with. Um, getting older, um, sometimes it's an Alzheimer's uh, situation, and it affects the family. So um, that, on top of all the other things already mentioned, yeah. can make it very hard for the Christian. Yeah, absolutely, Dan. I, I think, you know, as I was reflecting on the um, on the program itself and, and, and jotting down some notes for it, I, I put down a few things that I, that I think contribute to this, along with what you've mentioned. I, I think one, and I, I really must put this at the top of the list we we have we have a, a ubiquitous media it is all around us all the time and and you know as well as i know that media is fueled by pessimism good good news it doesn't sell <laughs> it's not, yes. not marketed well and so and and now you have you have christians who are really getting their view of of what's going on in the world and of what they believe is going to happen in the future, not from the scriptures, but from Fox News and and from media outlets of all sorts. You know, these have a relative worth, to be sure, but you couple you couple that 
uh, that that torrent of negativism with the fact that, sad to say, Christians are not reading their Bibles like they used to. That certainly feeds this, and and it's what also feeds this. And, you're, and our listeners have got to keep this in mind. What is happening in our nation is not true of what is happening in many other parts of the world. Um, it's no coincidence that the new that the new pope is is from uh, South America. Uh, um, even there, whether it be Roman Catholicism or Protestantism, is growing like topsy in in Central America, Latin America, South yes. America. The growth of the Christian Church in China is phenomenal. I think it's all, almost an object lesson for Christians. You go back thirty or forty years ago during the the height of communism in China. And that was used as an example of how communism was triumphing over Christianity. Now, the Christian Church is growing fast. Not only is it growing faster in China than any other area of the world, but there is a a fascination, interestingly, because these people have been conditioned to go by the book, you know, the the quotations Mm. of Chairman Mao. They are now wanting to go to the book, to the Word of God, to know how the Church should be governed. This is nothing less than phenomenal. <laughs> I think that's got to be really emphasized right at the outset. Yes. My uh, son has a friend who's um, a Chinese and now a Chinese Christian, and um, sometimes we get into a discussion with him, my son, and he reminds me that um, of the progress that is being made in China. Of course, we know there's still persecution but you're right, it's a phenomenal growth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, despite the best efforts <laughs> of yeah. government to the contrary. Um, so, Well, and in a real sense, even I, as I had the privilege of being in China in 2002 and was speaking with uh, one of the pastors there with whom I was working about what now, how the church grew, of course, it was the language barrier. At one point, I used the, the old line, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Now, mm. that's not always true. There are times where persecution has wiped out the Christian churches in the area. But, not, but in China, I used the phrase, and when he was wrestling with how to explain the, gro- the phenomenal growth of the church, he went back to that phrase, and he said it was the persecution that made us strong. Uh, it's a little bit like trying to put out fire with gas. Um, and, I, and I think for believers, it's, it's so important to keep in mind that under the Lordship of Christ, even tribulation is is to make us more than conquerors. Um, you, you know, Dan, I, 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 just a few other things to, just to throw out about this that I, that I thought of, I think, connected with this pessimism. I'm saddened to say that many ministers are pessimistic mm-hmm. about the gospel. They have They have lost... Um, they they have really they've had a decline in a, in faith that the gospel really does change people. I think for for some of them a trip to a, a very fertile mission field might be of encouragement. Mm, to them. Yes. The, the other couple of things one one that is is sadly illegitimate the other that's legitimate. It, there has been a really since I, I would I'd have to say the 1930s the 1940s. There has been a real hijacking of, I'm going to have to call historic Christian understandings of the end times and the progress of the gospel by, by dispensationalism. And it's, it's it really, it's doctrinal novelty, this pre-tribulational rapture. You know, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. We're not supposed to polish doorknobs in a sinking ship. The only thing we've got to do is just see, hope a few souls will be saved. Thankfully, that 
that is beginning to wane in our country, and I'm encouraging, and I hope around the world. But that has re- and, and 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 this view is is very well marketed. Hal Lindsay's The Late Great Planet Earth, um, Tim LaHaye's volumes on on the Rapture and so on, and these have captivated people. But but biblically, they're fiction. They they are not at all representative of of an historic Christian understanding of the end times. Uh, or of the progress of the gospel. The, the one thing I would say, and then I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll stop blabbing, I, mm. I think what is a legitimate issue that we have to wrestle with, I'll be a little bit technical, it, it's clear that when the Bible speaks of, in the fullest sense, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord filling the earth as the waters cover the sea, uh, one of the promises, one of the many promises in Isaiah chapter, uh, chapter 11, um, there are some who basically... They'll say, well, that's sure, that's going to happen, but it's going to happen after Christ comes back in the new heavens and the new earth. And that's true. But we need to wrestle with the question from the Scriptures of how much of the, if I could put it this way, the not yet that will come in eternity, do we expect to see as gospel blessing in the ages before Christ returns? That's a technical question. But but I think that any... any, any fair look at both Scripture and Church history has to admit that there is enough of this blessing that comes into the earth that you can have a fulfillment in history of the promise to Abraham in you and in your seed, all the nations are going to be blessed. Yes. Now, uh, I'm looking at the clock here, and I know that we have to take a break. Um, Bill, I came across some quotes. I wanted to throw out one of them, and I'll sprinkle them throughout our discussion uh, today, and this one happens to be from Thomas Goodwin, and it goes along with your idea that um, Christians didn't always have this uh, negative attitude towards the future. Uh, he writes, there will come a time when the generality of mankind, both Jew and Gentile, shall come to Jesus Christ. He hath had but little takings of the world yet, but he will have before he hath done. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's a very well-known quotation and and of course for the for the Puritans um there's a there's an outstanding volume by Ian Murray called The Puritan Hope that came out back in I think the 1970s although it's still available. And I remember when I went through a very uh, discouraging time in my own Christian life, my college years, I picked up that volume and read it, and it has left a permanent impact on me. <laughs> um, uh, you know, John Owen himself, similar to the comment by Goodwin, he said, Though our, our persons fall, our cause shall be as truly, certainly, and infallibly victorious as that Christ sits at the right hand of God. The gospel shall be victorious. This greatly comforts and refreshes me. I've yes. gone back to that many times. Yes, it's a marvelous quote. I've seen that one also. What we'll do now is we'll take a short break. This is Redeemer Broadcasting's A Plain Answer. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. 
Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with me today, the Reverend Bill Shishko, pastor of the OPC Church in Long Island at Franklin Square. Uh, Bill, it's uh, wonderful to talk about this subject today. We're discussing optimism regarding our, what can we say, our King Jesus. <laughs> as, exactly, as the he, kingdom of God. Sure. Yeah, as he wins hearts to himself, as the powerful gospel of Christ goes forward. And um, and it, that's um, in contrast to our natural tendency, at least right now, I would say mine is, to become very negative and very down because we see all the, you know, the dirty politics and the economics going to pot and all of that. And um, we just needed some encouragement of the truth of the gospel of Christ. So maybe you can keep going. Yeah, I think for your for your listeners, there, there's a there's there's a simple and a fuller way to approach this. Um, the, the simple one is this. Obviously, when when Christ was crucified, virtually everyone had turned away from Him, and the the accounts of that are are given with, with a purpose in view. On the day of Pentecost, you have I mean, you go from the, the you go from the ones that are in the upper room. You have three thousand converted on the day of Pentecost. You have five thousand later. Um, now, at least according to some figures, and, and of course we never know these things accurately, in a in a world population of over seven billion people, um, the, the Christ, those who profess to be Christians, and that doesn't mean it's always genuine Christianity, but even the New Testament, you had people who were baptized, professed faith in Christ, who were not quote-unquote genuine Christians, but now... You have you have uh, over thirty three percent of the world's population, about two point one billion of these over seven billion people in the world, who are connected with either uh, Roman Catholicism, Protestantism, or Eastern Orthodoxy. And and again, that doesn't mean each one is individually saved, but it is it is clearly uh, some. It's it's the it's the triune God the the. Uh, uh, the, the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the, the scriptures that, that have formed that. Well, I mean, that's a rather simple way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, and, and I think, I think what's, what happens, Dan, is this. We can very easily um, stop, start thinking of the Church only from the perspective of the decree of God in the elect. You can say, yeah, 
okay, there's, there's this percentage of Christianity in the world, but how much of it, you know, how many of them are real Christians? Well, the Bible doesn't really speak like that. The Bible speaks in terms of people who have marked out as saints by baptism. They have some kind of, of, of connection with the Church. There is teaching that comes to correct it. There's discipline to correct what's wrong. Uh, there are rebukes and so on. And that's more the way we need to look at this phenomenon of, I'll simply call it, professed Christianity in the world. And then then we need to note what, what the benefits of the Gospel are. The benefits are not simply, and I, I don't mean this tritely, it's not simply that people are saved and are going to go to heaven this is a forming of people who are light and they are salt in the world and it is it is no coincidence that wherever the gospel has gone there has been nothing less than a a revolution in views of of health of of personal sanitation of of a care for the aged and the disabled of the elevation of womanhood and 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 so these are this is not this is not kingdom of God, but these are the benefits of the kingdom that go into the world, and that's part of what the scriptures speak of. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Uh, having worked with with some of the uh, some time ago with some of the followers of uh, of a cult, it was the Harold Camping cult. Um, they seem to constantly focus on the elect and trying to make some kind of assertions or comments about the elect and and all of that, but even though um, the election is taught in the Scripture, absolutely true, the way we look at it in terms of human beings, we do not know the secret counsel of God. We can't look into a heart. And all that, and I think you're pointing out, all that we can see is there's a profession of faith. There's, there's, a, there's a history of Christian baptism. And, you know, are you living for the Lord? And yeah. that's all we can see. Yeah, and, and of course, a lot of the work that missionaries do is taking people who have some some rootage in Christianity, and it's a little bit like the Priscilla and Aquila ministry with with Apollos. They're teaching people the way of God more accurately. Um, and and oddly enough, Dan, it's interesting. Election is given in the Scripture as an encouragement for us. To oh do yes. Evangel. If I didn't believe that the Lord oh, had chosen yes. people and He was going to save them, my my work is is futile. I can't I can't oh, change. Yes. I can't I can't soften uh, hard hearts. I can't change hearts. No. So it's 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 amazing how again this is part. This is the devil. This is ignorance, and and it it, it the things that are given for our encouragement of, in the Scriptures. Are, are the things that that sadly people can turn and make them discouraging. Mm-hmm. You know, just I, I, my you know, as a pastor, my mind percolates. You go back to the scriptures. I'd urge your listeners to do, I guess, maybe three things that might be helpful. Um, uh, one is study study the promises made to Abram in Genesis Abraham, Genesis twelve, Genesis fifteen, and Genesis seventeen. Just start there. Uh, now, the, the, the seed, the promised seed given to Abraham is Christ, Paul says in Galatians 3. But contrary to the view that says that, that, that Abraham is simply a father of Israel, the text teaches just the opposite. In you and in your seed, all the nations will be blessed kings will come forth from you. And then later, in in what is the fascinating reaffirmation of that promise, when Abraham's faith is tested and, it, and, and his faith becomes visible, he's demonstrating his faith by his works of obedience, 
God confirms that promise in Genesis 22 and says, you're going to possess the gates of your enemies. Now, I guess you can throw all of that in the, in the new heavens and the new earth if you want, but you have Jesus saying, um, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How on earth Christians can interpret that as being, as being the offensive weapons of hell not prevailing against the church is beyond me. Gates, gates <laughs> were the defenses of the city. And, yes. and the point the Lord makes is just what's given in the promise to Abraham. There, the, the gospel is going to be on the offensive in gracious, gospel-like ways. I mean, that's something very simple. Um, I, I don't know if you want to interact with that. or you, Well, or, yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, um, I, I just love that um, illustration. It flows right from the scriptures, and I think it's sometimes missed, even though it's very simple. Um, in my own words, the church, because of the Spirit, by the Word and Spirit, is um, having an offensive attack against the very gates of hell, and more than that, it will be successful. Oh, absolutely. Now, you see this. Anyone, Dan, involved in, in pastoral ministry, evangelistic ministry, sees this. Uh, it's war. It's, it's holy war right. for the souls of people by the grace of God and the gospel. And, and see, there again, that kind of, we have become so afraid of the language of holy war, a jihad, in a carnal and very wicked sense. Yes. We miss the fact that there is there is the language of militancy used in terms of of, of presenting the gospel of a gracious saving Christ. Mm. Um, another thing, just again for your listeners, reading reading Isaiah, um, I, 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 any of actually any of the major and the minor prophets, but particularly Isaiah, because Isaiah gives this this view. I mean, the first half of the book. Uh, right, chapter one through chapter thirty-nine is, is it, and by and large, very dark. It's very uh, Israel has, has has failed, and but there's going to be a new covenant that comes in. That's chapters forty to sixty-six. But what brings the encouragement of that book throughout? Here's the promise of Messiah. We love to quote it. You know, the, the, that uh, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And then it goes on. It says, and the government will be upon his shoulder. That points forward to the Great Commission, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me, and of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And you look at that and say, how can that be in such a fallen world? It says to order it and establish it from this time forth and even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Mm. I mean, frankly, do you need to say any more? <laughs> I mean, that's why Jesus can give to the disciples, as few as they were at that point, the commission to go into all the world mm-hmm. and make disciples of all other nations. He meant yes. that. And, and then, of course, in Isaiah 40 to 66, you have a, you know, the reference to Messiah. It's a small thing to you that I should give you a little, <laughs> a little portion of real estate in the Middle East. I'm going to mm-hmm. give nations are going to come forth from you. So I, I think those... That's another, I mean, to, to study, to, to read whole portions of Isaiah um, in particular. It's one of the more, it's one of the easier to understand of, of the prophecies. Mm-hmm. The other I'd mention that has always impacted me, Dan, um, Nebuchadnezzar has this vision of four kingdoms that are going to come. And that's a fascinating study in itself. It's Babylon, and then you've got, you've got Medo-Persia and Greece, and then the Roman Empire which are the, the, 
feet there. And in the and it says, in the days of those kings, there will be a little stone that will come, and it will crush the feet of the of the statue, and it will become a great mountain that fills the earth. And I almost get chills up my spine when I come to Luke two, in in the days of Caesar Augustus. It, it harks back to that language, Christ, oh, yes. who is that little stone, is born. And his parables speak of the kingdom that is going to be as a mustard seed that fills the earth. And again, we're not saying that's going to mean everybody in the world is going to be a Christian. But quite frankly, you can't have an apostasy at the end of the age if there's not a prevalent profession of some form of Christianity. That's another thing that has impacted yes. me. So. Yes. Well, I... Um I just love listening to you, Bill. It's wonderful, and I realize we're just about out of time today. Uh, today we've been talking about our tendency is to uh, be very negative and see what's happening around us, politics, economics, whatever, feel very down, and lose sight of the wonderful promises in the, in the Bible of the advance of the gospel, of King Jesus being successful. And for some reason... Um, our modern theologians, many of which, don't seem to emphasize that, and yet the older ones did. And in closing, Bill, I'll, I'll give you uh, just a minute to wrap up. I wanted to read one more quotation, uh, this one from Thomas Brooks. He says, um, this is 1662 time frame, There will come a time when in this world holiness shall be more general and more eminent than ever it hath been since Adam fell in paradise. <laughs> a wonderful quote. Bill, maybe you could just wrap it up quick in the next minute here. Very practical thing to do, and it's, a, it's amazing what would happen if people would do this. For every hour, people either read their newspapers or listen to some media outlet. Take one hour and read your Bible, mm. because, the, because the Bible will give you a reality check on the world. Second, take the promises that God gives of the knowledge of his glory filling the earth as the waters cover the sea and the gospel being God's power unto salvation, and pray them. That's why Paul said, pray for me, that, 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 or pray that the word might run and have free course, that I might speak the word boldly as I mm. ought to speak. Pray for revival in church. But, but read your Bibles, take them for what they say, yeah. and pray that God bring these promises to pass. Well, praise the Lord. Bill, it's always a pleasure. Uh, today here on A Plain Answer, it's been uh, Reverend Bill Shishko from Franklin Square on Long Island. I'm Dan Elmendorf. This episode is up on our website. Check it out. We're located at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. And also, uh, please join us again next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. <laughs> 